This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN and the Athletics, Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. It's wonderful to see both your faces. Woo-hoo. I've had like a week off from you guys because <laughs> I, you know, didn't wake up on time and JR didn't read a text properly and made me look bad. So this is, I, I needed this. So let me tell you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself look bad before any of you guys can look bad. Oh, right? okay. So uh, <laughs> watching the game last night, second period winds up or finishes up, and Mary says, "Hey, let's go uh, back to the bedroom. You can watch the rest of the game. Whoa, uh, in the uh, hey in the now. bedroom." Nah, it wasn't sexy talk. Because she wouldn't have said anything about the game if it had been sexy talk. This podcast just got real good. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. So we go back there, we lay down, and guys, I did not see a second of the third period. I, I I don't remember... I don't remember anything besides when we turned the TV on and it was the intermission thing, and that's all I remember. <laughs> Mary even turned the TV off. So that's just not me then when, like, you say, I'm going to go watch this in bed and just get comfortable, but I'll watch all of it, and then as soon as you sit down, you're asleep. I mean, I, I should have known that that was coming. I was super comfortable on the couch, and even earlier in the day, I was like, ooh, 9 o'clock start. This is going to be real interesting. But um, uh, it's just so... Um, it's it's really nice though when I do get it. It's it's this thing with the late games. I'm old and I I fall asleep early, same. but at the same time when I when they're the games are later, my kids are in bed or doing their own thing, so I'm able to just kind of watch on my own. You know what the way to go is though, and this has happened to me. I I swear three four times this season where they play a late game and you fall asleep. And then the next morning you wake up and Bally's has it right there. It picks up right where I left off. I or, fell asleep and now you're watching the replay of the game at 8.30 in the morning. Like, oh, here we go. Or you fall asleep and you wake up at 1 a.m. and realize you fell asleep on the couch. And guess what? The game just replayed itself. So you get all kinds of opportunities to rewatch it. So the so the Blues, though, you know, they go into Vegas. They get a win in overtime. You know, one of the things in which that I, you know, was watching during, you know, in, in – my recollection of it <laughs> is that there were definitely parts of that game where man it just felt like almost a track meet like it was just boom 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 and i'm thinking to myself i don't know that the blues can sustain this but man oh man man oh man they got the stopper back there and uh, anybody that says that jordan bennington is not a i mean all world <laughs> all nhl goalie is a friggin' moron, including oh, yeah. that yutz for ESPN that's a big Chicago Blackhawks our, fan. Uh, our good guy, Greg Wyshynski. Oh, God, yeah. get out of here. If yep. he has anything to say about, 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 seriously, if he has anything to say about Jordan Bennington, watch the games that that guy has won for us this year, and then he can shut his freaking pie hole <laughs> or write another goddamn article about Connor Bedard, all right? Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him since the beginning of the season. We had him on our show, and we talked with him, and of course, the first thing out of his mouth was Jordan Bennington, and it's so funny because, and look, I love Greg Wyshynski. I think Greg does incredible work, uh, and he does come up with really interesting articles. But he does not, he says he doesn't mind Jordan Bennington, but he doesn't like Jordan Bennington, and he doesn't like the antics that cause it, and he says he's an average goaltender. Everything about Jordan Bennington this season proves he's not an average goaltender. Has he had his slip-ups? Sure, but both goaltenders have had their slip-ups. Frankly, I could point to some of the best in the NHL that have had their slip-ups this season. But... That game last night, Jared and I were just talking about this walking up. That has to be 
one of Jordan Bennington's best games ever. Yeah. And I'm including Game 7 of that Stanley Cup Final with the Boston Bruins. I mean, he was peppered from start to finish. Uh, I was looking at this last night. He saw 22 high-danger shots from the opponent, and he made, what was it, 4.16 goals above expected saves. He came into that game five and a half saves above expected. So that... That has to be Jordan Middington's best game within the last two to three years. I agree, and you know you can talk about the circumstance of a Game 7. Look, everybody's watching. All eyes are on. The City wins the first Stanley Cup if he plays well, and he was dynamite. You know, the save on Nordstrom, we still talk yeah. about it five years later. We'll talk about it in 50 years from now, Donnie. But last night last night was as good as he's been, and I'll include that game. That was amazing last night. You're right. It was a track meet. I was ready to tweet that. I don't know if the Blues can hang in a track yeah. meet like this, but he bailed him out time and time again. And, you know, it was almost time to break out the, the tweet last night, Michael Jordan Bennington. <laughs> oh, man. Why didn't you do that, JR? <laughs> Otherwise, I would have stolen that. Next time, I will. Okay. All right. So then he... <laughs> Here from a, a very, very, very uh, emotional Blues fan right now. What in Jesus' name does Jordan Bennington have to friggin' do to gain any sort of national respect? He's got a friggin' cup. The year after the cup, he was playing his ass off yeah. until it was an all-star. Uh, until that thing went haywire. Mm-hmm. You know, last year. Anybody that watched this team for any length of time, they would have gotten hammered almost every night if it wasn't for Bennington, and they even did. So, like, I just don't understand. I don't understand what people need to see from it's this so guy. It's nice to have another Bennington defender in the in the area, <laughs> well, you know? Gee, well, but, but I mean, like, okay. but I, And, JR, I know you want to chip in here, but, like, dude, even just as a hockey fan, I could look at that guy, even if he was not on the Blues, and go, that's a hell of a friggin' goaltender. I wish he was on my team. Yeah. And I don't understand why there is not a parade for Bennington at this point. Donnie, I got laryngitis last year You know when he played well, and it was the team. Every single national show that I went on, they said, okay, so what's the story with Bennington? Still stinks. Stanley Cup hangover, four years. You know, stats, uh, the, the save percentages has gone down every single year. What is his story? And now you got the annex on top of it. And so every time I'd say, look, the Blues are playing poor defense. Every time they score a goal, it's because there's a back door wide open, pump in. Bennington is actually playing well. And finally, it got to the point where I just wanted to record myself and hit play every time <laughs> right. I got asked the question about Jordan <laughs> Bennington. Look, I realized that in the bubble – and there was a two- or three-year period there where, yeah, okay, so he didn't win you a Stanley Cup, but he was still a, a decent goaltender. And, yeah, the, the save percentage tells a lot, 9, 9.05, and a dip below 9. Uh, but, again, in my eyes, that was a team-wide thing, not a Jordan Bennington thing. And we've seen the last two years, and especially this year, how good he can be. But I think, to answer your question, people's minds are made up. When they see that save percentage at 900 for a couple years, when they see the antics, there's no change in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, if mm-hmm. you could have put uh, uh, people last night who are anti-Bennington, who don't think he's a good goalie, and, and watch the game with them last night, I don't think it's changed their mind, Alex. I think nope. you, you, the game's over. They say, hey, he had played a good game. But they're mm-hmm. not going to give him that credit. That's That ship has sailed. Or they'd say he got lucky yeah. or yep. something yeah. along those yeah. lines. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been five games this season, or not specific, but three to five games this season where Bennington's thrown his head, and it just feels like it's glossed over with, which, again, we're watching every single game. There's a ton of goaltenders that are doing what Bennington's doing right now. I think part of the reason, and I'm just playing the devil's advocate the other side here, of why Jordan Bennington is viewed that way. One is because of the antics, but two, there was a two-year stretch, two- to three-year stretch, where Bennington 
was in that that longevity of giving up three or four goals per game. Mm-hmm. And and that's tough to do. Even with the defense being bad, people look only at the stat sheet. They're not watching the entire game. Yeah. The thing that I've learned about Jordan Bennington, and specifically this season, I think it was two years ago or last year, you had that great article with, with um, Bennington JR talking about how you know he's kind of changed his mindset and he's tried to refocus what he's doing on the ice from where he was. And then we talked with Mike Liute earlier this year, who's his agent, and basically said, like, yeah, goaltenders have to realize that they can't add a spark to their team other than making the save. Jordan Bennington is back to just being the the do-I-look-nervous type of guy where he's in net, calm, cool, collected. If it's in front of me, I'm going to stop it. This feels like a season where he could have his coming out party, which seems ridiculous to say that he won a Stanley Cup and an All-Star, and we're talking about a coming out party. But regular season numbers apparently mean a lot more to the, to national analysts than postseason numbers and, and kind of where he comes up big. This feels like the season because defensively they have at least somewhat figured out how to tighten up in front of him and keep those backdoor tap-ins away. This feels like one of those seasons that at the end of the year you're talking about a Bennington with a, a 9-15, 9-20 save percentage where people are like, okay, Jordan Bennington, he was consistent from start to finish. Well, And it also feels as though, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm on a Jordan Bennington high right now, Hot so damn. please excuse me, but like, it almost feels like he is, well, it not even feels like this is a master of the obvious statement that I'm saying and realizing it <laughs> as I'm saying it, but like he makes up for other deficiencies that the team has. Yeah. And so like, let's say we get into the playoffs. They make the playoffs. You do, I cannot imagine that if you are another team looking at the St. Louis Blues is a team that you would want to have in the first round because I would think that Bennington's a guy that could get hot, stay hot, and carry you. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're having this conversation after a, an amazing game that he played last night, sure. right? So I, we have to keep that in perspective. I'm not good at that. And, and, <laughs> that's not the podcast, JR. <laughs> Sorry. And, Come on. And also, the, the Blues do have a lot of deficiencies. And when push comes to shove, first round, second round, do they have a talent that a Colorado has? You know, so they're going to have to come up big in a lot of other areas. But you're exactly right, Donnie, that the goaltending can offset some of that stuff. Sometimes. Can you do it for an entire series? We've seen it done before. Jordan Bennington's done it before. Uh, but I agree with you. You know, if, if the Blues can get on a little bit of a roll, and we're talking months down the road, we're talking, you know, March heading into the playoffs, if the Blues are playing a good team game at that point, and then you got the wild card of a Bennington be able to come in and, and steal a series, you're, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, you can talk about the Blues being a wild card team and, and you know, getting into the playoffs that way. I don't think they're going to be a team that plays three rounds, but with a Jordan Bennington playing anywhere close to the way he did last night, that's a team that could win a round. Okay, so I know that I'm going out of order here, and there's a bunch of other things that I want to ask, but this has been sitting on my brain for the last week or so. It makes no sense, but if I don't ask you guys, it's just going to stay there. All right, so I understand completely that, what are we, two months away from the trade deadline? Three months away from the trade deadline? We are a ways away, Uh all right? What? But I've been thinking about this. God, this is so weird. The but Donnie like, preface. I what? Love what do the as the trade deadline approaches? All right, and we get closer. What? How do you see a situation where the Blues are buyers, as opposed to a situation where I would think they're going to be sellers or at least kind of stand pat. I would think that that is probably going to be the way that it goes and probably what Armstrong is looking at right now. But what would it take, and how would they have to be looking for the Blues to go, you know what, 
I want to be a buyer. Maybe there's something out there that accents the roster. What do you, you know, is it now where they're, you know, a wild card spot looking at? How do you see that? I don't think it has anything to do with playoff positioning and everything to do with the player available to them. To be, and I guess let me, it's not just a buyer. You're like a conservative buyer, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Compared to like buyer means, in my eyes, you're sending first round draft picks and tons of prospects to go get a player for a rental or for one year. Yep. So you go on a cup run. The only way, and and I fall on the side of it, that I could see the Blues and Doug Armstrong saying, let's go out there and do something, is if they can find a defenseman with term available to him. And the one for me is Noah Hannafin. I've talked a lot about him. I think we've talked about him on this podcast, and now Calgary seems to be sh- to be shipping out everything. It, it seems the Blues in their minor league system have the offense that they're hoping for with Dvorsky, with Snuggerud, with Bullduke. They've got those guys in their system that can help offensively defensively, you don't have a lot of guys with high upside in your system. Like, I think the guy with the highest upside is probably like a Gaudette, a Buchinger, but other than that, you're talking like second and third pair defensemen right now. If you can be, if you're Doug Armstrong and there is a team that's willing to move a defenseman that has term on his contract or like a Noah Hannafin would be willing to sign a contract extension that you know you can lock up and be with this team for the next five to six years, that's the only move I can see Doug, Doug Armstrong saying, let's go out and do that. Because to me, this feels a lot like the Jay Bomeister trade, to where you have you have a guy on defense, maybe it's not the age like Alex Petrangelo was, but you've got the right side locked down with Pareko and Falk, and you seem to still be searching for somebody who can play that 26 minutes a night with Colton Pareko. That seems to be the only move that I would buy into Doug Armstrong going out there and making a move. Otherwise, if you're him, you just stand pat. Maybe if somebody wants a, if you don't have a contract extension with Kapanen, if somebody wants Verana or Marco Scandella and you're not in a playoff spot, then you sell for assets and then you try and deal at the offseason. Yeah, no, well said. And Donnie, I'll, I'll put it this way. Unless the Blues win their next and last 57 games of the regular season, yeah. they're not going to be buyers. It <laughs> right. they are just <laughs> it washed that bug. <laughs> if Doug Armstrong says, okay, this team, there is no stopping this team, I'm going to go out and get that high price rental and we're going to lose them in the offseason and I'll give did, up divorce. Did you hear what he just did? He let me go on this rant to talk about what I feel like could happen and Jerry's like, here's how it happens. I this team well never said. loses. I said well said. No, no, you cool. didn't. <laughs> no, I was agreeing with you. I, I, was, just, I was agreeing with you. I, I just think exactly what he said again, what you said, that it's about the level of player in terms of when you call a team a buyer or not. Like They can be a buyer, but that could be going to get, I'm just making this up, a, a defenseman and in exchange they're trading a third round draft pick or a low level prospect to get that guy because they think he's going to be a good fit and maybe could help him a little bit. But in no way, shape, or form, unless they win the next 57 games, are they going to trade a first round pick or one of these prospects to get a guy who's going to come in for the playoff run and be gone? Yeah. Right? Well, and I didn't think that it would be a little short-term like yeah. playoff run thing, but I just meant like as far as like an attitude for buyer, but that completely makes all the sense in the world. And then if you do make one of those big head, you know, turning trades, you go, Whoa, wait, 
This yeah. doesn't kind of make sense as far as, you know, the rebuild of the organization. Um, <clears throat> the last couple of years, uh, a, a guy that has been a frequent, frequent, frequent whipping boy for Blues fans, but boy, that has seemed to quiet down a lot this year, is Big Double Nickel, uh, Mr. Colton Pareko. <laughs> Big Double Nickel. Dude, he is playing his ass off. He looks fantastic out there. He looks confident. He might look as confident as an NHL player as that I have seen him, and I think that's like a weird thing for me to notice, not something that I would huh normally notice but this guy wow yeah i remember sitting uh, with colin perico in the uh, preseason in the uh, kind of media room alex has been out there and and uh just shooting the ball with him for a story and i said okay so last year tough year what was it and he said you know what i was just thinking too much i was not reacting i was just overthinking and he said he's gonna be better this year and as a result of not thinking so much and i'm looking at him going yeah, is that really going to do it? Is that really going to – I mean, okay, so you're going to jump on the play, you're going to do this and that, and all of a sudden you're going to be the player that you need to be for this team, and by God, if it hasn't worked, <laughs> right. I, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it really is. So whatever it was in the film room, the talking with the coaches, the talking with himself, the talking with God, whoever it was, <laughs> right. it has been unbelievable. Yeah. When the puck comes in the zone – last night I was really zeroing in on this. When the puck comes in the zone, if the guy – goes to the wall if the guy goes to the corner even though they're playing that zone d and and colton's packing in tight like they're so he will chase that guy out and and try to cause a turnover and just being so aggressive more physical than we've seen and we'll never we'll never see a colton pareko is going to break somebody's neck right. but but he's playing physical this year and i Obviously, Alex, the skating. I mean, how many times? We saw it again last night where, you know, the 200-foot, and then he's back, and then he's doing it again. And we're not talking one trip. We're talking two trips back There up was there. a play, and I think it was in the second period, where he was in the offensive zone. He took a shot. It was deflected, and while he was deep, like he was face-off dot deep, Puck came back the other way. It was a two-on-one, and he got back to stop the play. Went and got a pretzel, came back, <laughs> caught the guy. I mean, it, he he is. This is gonna this is gonna probably blow up in my face like it's done in the past. He's playing like he did in that cup run in pause, the year pause, five. Pause, 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 I know. And JR's gonna squash this one just like he did my other one. He's playing the way he played that cup run in the year following. Yeah. Because he's killing plays with the size and his speed. JR's right. I mean, he's taking the puck when when when. Curbs has asked Craig Berube what their game looks like. He said, smart exits out of our zone, and that's Colton Pareko. When the puck is on his stick, he's not delegating for that pass to a forward that's circling back, and it's getting passed over, and they're skating, and it's coming back the other way. He's taking it, and he's skating out of the zone with it. And that's that's who Colton Pareko is. He's killing plays. There are still some out there, and I, you know who you are listening that believe Colton Pareko is one of the worst contracts in the NHL. And those people are just... They're crazy because yeah. there are defensemen who are making nine and a half million dollars that aren't eating 26 minutes a night, that aren't playing the entirety of the penalty kill, that aren't shooting more, which, by the way, guys, Colton Pareko is teeing up those shots right, right now. Nobody is doing what Colton Pareko is doing. Last night, Jack Eichel and Mark Stone had a combined 12 shots on goal, zero points at even strength. That's Colton Pareko matching up. Now, you give due diligence to Thomas and Neighbors and Booch because they're playing against them, but Colton Pareko's the, the last guy before Bennington that those guys are coming in on. Sure, they're getting high-danger scoring chances, but they're not going in, and Colton Pareko's finding a way to kill those plays. Donnie, I was talking to somebody that used to be in the organization uh, recently, and I said, wow, you should see Pareko. Like, he's letting her rip. He's, he's letting these blasts go. And he goes, it looks like he finally doesn't care if he hurts somebody on the other <laughs> yeah, end. I that mean, was the response. 
Yeah, I mean, sort of. What's also amazing to me, two things about that guy. <clears throat> One, how it seems as though he can take three freaking strides and be on the other side oh, yeah. of the ice. Like, it's nuts. And then also, too, I think he was the first player that I can visibly remember that seems to use his size to such an amazing advantage, even just like if it's a half an inch that he is able to, to get a stick on a puck or something. It's just so amazing to me when he... I mean, you can just tell that he is playing at a different level now than maybe we have seen previously. Joey has said it with me on pregame. He, he's talked to Connor McDavid about it, and, and he's asked, like McDavid, like, who's the guys that are tough to play against? And McDavid has said Pareko because Pareko's size and his stick reach kills plays so quickly for those fast skaters. Are there times that he doesn't look the best? Absolutely. But everybody goes through that. But it's so – and this is why when people last season were talking about trading him, trading him, trading him – if you trade away a six foot five, six foot six, very fast skating defenseman who's got the experience that Pareko has, you're going to be looking for that guy for the next five to six years. Colton Pareko, he, he he's the type of guy right now that in a one nothing game, in a two one game with your up, you're putting him on the ice. And I don't know how many guys are around the NHL that are making more than six and a half million dollars that are put in those positions. And just like Alex said, I want to be clear with you. Just, just like Alex said. You know, the contract. I mean, you look at it last year. Okay, if you wanted to argue about the contract last year when he wasn't playing well, he's making $6.5 million. Well, maybe you're arguing about the term that he had left at right. that point because you can't be arguing about $6.5 million. You know, guys aren't making, you know, if you're making $4 or $5 million, you're not playing what he's playing Right, you're playing third pair minutes, yeah, 15 minutes a night. And and so now, now let's fast forward to this year. And again, we're focused on this year. You know, it's hard to see what he's going to look like in three, four, five years. But now with the salary cap going up $4 million next year to what, $87, $88 million? Mm-hmm. And you got a, a top pair guy who does what And then the does. next year going up another $4 million. Exactly. For $6.5 he's going to be a fraction of this team's cap playing 23, 25 minutes a game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it reason? Because I saw that that report yesterday from Frank Saravelli as yeah. well about the salary cap going up next year, and I, I, you know, genuine question with the Blues ownership as it is. I love the Blues ownership, Tom Stillman, you to man. <laughs> um, but is it reasonable for us to continue as the cap goes up to expect our ownership group to to hit the cap? I mean, I, is that a realistic thing? For a group of owners as opposed to a big freaking corporation that like owns the Canadians or whatever the hell. So it's a great question, and I've had this conversation with both Doug Armstrong and Tom Stillman. And here's the answer that I can kind of compile based on on that. First of all, the Blues have a lot of players under contract that already put them at the cap 
so it's not like they can just back up because uh, you still have the Fox and Parecos and Shens and Bennington's sure. and all these guys. So now, yeah, they're at 83, and Cairo and Thomas already have their big jumps. So I, th- I think, you know, now in the future when it jumps to 87, 88, you know, maybe 90 in a couple years, will they go to that? Doug Armstrong believes that you probably need to keep going in the direction that you're going and keeping pace with teams, spending to the cap, being that type of team. You don't want to take a step backwards. If you take a step back, maybe you don't get that money back. You know, it's like yeah. uh, it's any other business, right? Well, if you don't spend it, um, you might not get it back in terms of um, from the ownership. From Tom Stillman's perspective, he has said all along that maybe we will get to a point where it doesn't make sense to spend all that money if we're going to a retool situation. So when I say that, I don't say that they're on opposite pages. Right. What I say is that Doug Armstrong is going to do whatever he can to make the team as competitive as he can going year to year. But yes, Donnie, if there's a jump four, five, six million dollars and it does not make sense for the Blues to go out and sign that type of guy with where they're at in the retool, I don't think they're going to go out and spend the six million just because they have it under the cap. Yeah, well, and I, I think that's, I mean, Tom Stillman and Doug Armstrong have kept it competitive for however long. And I, it's not the Blues being because it's a smaller market compared to like the LA Kings. The Kings did this as well. Like the, when the Kings went through their retool, and that's just the team that you try and emulate because Doug Armstrong said it. When they went through that retool, they weren't going out there throwing six, seven, eight million dollars at top free agents. Right. They were biding their time, waiting for some of those big contracts to to wane out. They had to wait for Dustin Brown to retire. They waited until they could trade or the expansion draft with Alec Martinez and then with Jonathan Quick. They waited until some of those contracts got off the books. They still had Kopitar, they still had Dowdy, but then their younger players stepped in on rookie contracts, and then they said, okay, now we're ready to compete, and then what did they do? They went out there and they traded for Kevin Fiala and took on that massive contract. So it's not just because, oh, the Blues are a small market team. No, it's it's because this is what you do in a retool, where you kind of have to wait for some of those contracts to get out. Sure, you can add $2 million here or $2.5 million here to add some complimentary pieces, but you're biding your time until some of those bigger contracts come off the books so you can spend the, that money on another player with some bigger contracts. And, and here's, if you're a fan, here's a way to look at it. And I realize it's difficult every offseason because you see who the free agents are. You see that this guy could help your team, right? But I've watched this with other teams going through what the Blues have gone through is, okay, maybe that player does make sense this offseason, but you're going to have to sign him to four or five years, right? Mm-hmm. That takes away that money for the next four or five years, where if you wait another offseason or two, and now your Dvorsky's ready, now your Snuggerud's ready, and now there's a shinier apple on the free agent market, and now you have that money available because you didn't go sign the guy two years ago that was, yeah, he was going to help you, and you were competitive for the past couple years, but now you got the, the big gun, and he's really going to come in and help this I think before you spend that money, just my personal preference on a, on a big free agent, you have to have a clearer picture of who your team is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure the Blues know yet who this team is. Like, I, I think of the Chicago Blackhawks when they signed Marion Hosa. They knew who they were. Mm-hmm. They, we got Keith, we got Seabrook, we got Crawford, we got uh, Kane and Taves. Like, we're good. Let's go out there and get that last piece. Uh, I think you have to have the clearer picture of who you are before you sit there and say, let's throw all of the assets at this guy. Yeah, makes all the sense. In, I mean, makes all the sense in the world. Uh, well and, said. And I think it's... it's JR? It, <laughs> it's also tough, though, as a fan, though, to... to well, it's really tough as a fan to... Even know in your headspace, like, okay, 
it doesn't make sense to go out and get this guy because we need to save the money, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't even, you know, sometimes I don't even think like that. I'm like, screw that. Just go spend <laughs> the money. Let's get somebody in here. I didn't even realize I just squashed my Noah Hannafin idea. Come on, Alex. <laughs> JR, you just did mind games to me. I just, I want to read uh, one email that we got that just cracked me up. Um, it doesn't have to do with anything, really. <laughs> it just says, listening to the Last Bit of Blues podcast, and Jamie brought up Melonby. Had to look up what he's been doing, and now I've decided Melonby looks like Jeff Kobaruby. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know what? More than anything else, I just want to take a minute to thank Adam for taking the time to send this email. Jeff Kobaruby. <laughs> That's amazing. I know that that was fantastic. I wonder what celebrities we look like just were the Jeffco version of. <laughs> oh, God, for me, that could be any number of things. I, I think say. somebody from My Name is Earl, probably for me. If <laughs> 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 I just had to take a guess, man, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? Send us another email. Tell us who Donnie JR and I look like, <laughs> oh, Jeff Kobaruby. Well, I always laugh because this is gonna hurt. Oh, it's gonna this hurt is gonna so hurt bad. bad. Just yeah. please, somebody say one of us looks like George Clooney, but the Jeffco version. <laughs> did you really just ask that? Yeah, I did. You that, did. That, you that, did. I did. Yeah. I did. It, it always killed me for years because you know the girls would fall over uh, Timberlake, right? Well, I grew up in Jeffco. There's ten Jeff Justin Timberlakes out in Jeffco. There, there are. There, there really are. Now listen, they might have a job that is not singing, singing and top 40 songs. It might be singing at a karaoke <laughs> yeah. bar, but it's still it's still something. They might be making X amount of dollars. <laughs> hey, you're but, talking about uh, me, man. I had the frosted tips in high school. <laughs> I was the Jeffco Justin Timberlake. You know, um, I yesterday, and I know that you had posted this uh, a week or so ago, uh, Jeremy, but your... Um, Day with Craig Berube was an incredibly fascinating yep. read, man. I love, listen, and I'm a Craig Berube honk. I've been talking about this dude. <laughs> I'd run through a friggin' wall for Same. him from tomorrow. Like, I just love him. But the way that he seems to go about his business and his day, it makes me like him even more, man. Yeah, no, thanks, Donnie. And, uh, you know, that was a fun assignment for one. Um, number two, Maybe you don't convey this in the story because you're spending all your time, you know, spelling out the details. But, you know, now that we have this opportunity to kind of talk about it is just how accessible he is, how willing he is to do it. Alex knows that doesn't happen with coaches, NHL coaches, pro coaches. It just doesn't happen. I mean, so with Craig Berube, not only did he say, yes, I'll do that. But throughout the day, he would say, hey, where's Jeremy? Are we going to talk again? Or, or. You know, I I would I'd be standing there, and he'd come off the ice and go, "Hey, you want to do another interview?" Like it was just all day long. <laughs> yeah, he was making himself available, and I felt like you know these are things. And Alex probably has gone through this too. We see him every day, not not Craig Bruby, but we see his schedule every day. Mm-hmm. So it's normal to us. We see what he's doing, but then sometimes I feel like I gotta step back and think, okay, well, not everybody else sees this. Not mm-hmm. everybody else sees what he goes through on a daily basis. Let's spell this out. So, you know, I feel like reading the story afterwards that you could have provided maybe even a little more detail, but I think the detail that we did provide in the story kind of gives fans some sort of feel for what a 24-hour period is like. The yeah. most important detail was the Baruby fasting, and did JR <laughs> fast with him? For six minutes, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> and you know what? As I'm reading this article, I'm getting a little mildly concerned, and I'm thinking to myself, Coach, 
Just, you gotta eat, man. Dude, just stop and have a hash brown, man. Yeah. Or like eat a blueberry muffin. Just something to sit on your Seriously, belly, man. Like, the <laughs> most Craig Berube thing ever is just saying, no, I'm not going to eat until the afternoon. I just drink black coffee. That <laughs> it, is the most Berube yeah, thing ever. It does seem that way, man. Well, and then people in the comment section, too, they said, okay, so he fasts for 16 hours, then he eats a cheeseburger. Is that really the way to roll? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, listen, that's the point of, listen, he... He's flowing with the day. He's meeting his uncles. They're going to the restaurant for a half hour. That's all the time he's got. Right. You know, what's he supposed to see if they got tofu on the menu? It was a cheeseburger. <laughs> right. yeah, that's not going to fill you up. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? When you have that cheeseburger and you hadn't eaten for 16 hours, you don't got to worry about it sitting in your stomach wrong. Yeah, Dude, now no we know ki- when uh, he passes out on the bench what happened. Right? <laughs> it's, not, it's from exhaustion and hunger. So, so you know, man, like sometimes you hear stories about um, – you know, like a, an organization where they have a coach or they, they, there's somebody that's kind of in charge and you feel like everybody kind of walks around on eggshells or, you know, that maybe they're afraid to talk to the coach. or, or, or And it just seems like Craig Berube is the exact opposite of all of those things. And it feels as though I, – I, I'm curious to know, like, the reaction to the people that work around him. I, I would think that – that not only the players love playing for him, but I would assume that those coaches and stuff just love the hell out of him too. I mean, I've I've only heard a few conversations because the assistant coaches aren't really available to us in the media. But you know, I hear Steve Ott every single Blues game because he's on post game with Curbs and Joey uh, on, on home ice, and you you can hear. You can hear a guy who went into coaching to kind of learn. It was a new job for Steve Ott, fresh off of playing in the NHL. And you can hear a lot of Craig Berube in Steve Ott. And, and I mean, honestly, what the, the, the most important piece of uh, flattering is is emulating the individual, right? So Steve Ott talks like Craig Berube. Steve Ott has the same mindset as Craig Berube. So that kind of tells you, like, yeah, they, they must really like this dude. And the, and the players talk all the time about the communication. What do you think the communication is like between Craig Berube and his coaching staff? I mean, these guys are meeting, like, what, three or four times a day prior to the game. And then on top of it, you've got Ken Hitchcock, who's calling Craig Berube on off days to talk with him about the team. Yeah, I would say that the number one word here is even keel. He's just so even keel. And listen, this shouldn't be any surprise. What happened with the hand pass, right? What did he do? Go in the locker room and he said, yeah. So, I mean, the hand pass is the epitome, is the prime example of who he is, how he operates. That's how it is behind the scenes. Uh, Alex, there's so many, we know the guys behind the scene in terms of social media and PR. Oh, yeah. And they all collectively say that uh, when he retires, we're retired. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because he's incredible. I mean, you just don't get, you don't get that good of a, a media type of coach just in pro sports. This is a dumb question, but I have to ask it anyway because I'm really good at dumb questions. <laughs> how does a guy like Craig Berube, who is so intense throughout the course of the season, how do guys like that keep a balance so that they do not burn themselves out? Or I mean, because it seems like whatever Coach Berube is doing, he seems to be very even keel about it for the most part. You know, like... How and like what does the dude do for himself to keep himself balanced? You know what I'm saying? I actually asked him that question and it did not make the story. You know, we had to shave some some words off the story, but I asked him that and, and he just said, That's how I approach life. Like that's just how I wake up every day and how I look at things, whether it be hockey, not hockey, kids, relationships, you know, stuff like that. Um, I just feel that the best way to operate is be like that. And I think that saves you in the long run, right? Because yeah. there's so many 
coaches we see that get riled up about the, the smallest thing. Sorry, as I'm sitting here talking, I just keep thinking about Ken Hitchcock coming to town <laughs> last week. And, and uh, Lou Korak and I were at practice, Donnie, and we were sitting where the reporters sit. And, you know, even when Hitch was the coach, he'd go out on the ice. He knew where we sat. So he purposely uh, went up the elevator and came and, and walked. We had no idea he was right behind us. Just walks right behind us. And he goes, I don't know what we can say here on the podcast, but he goes, F you, Korak, F you. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Like, like so uh, I don't know why that popped in my mind. But <laughs> I love Hitch. That's Hitch. so Hitch. great. Talking about guys who get riled up about things, I guess uh, Hitch came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because he made your life a living hell on the yeah. good side of it for a while. I'll, we We interviewed him. Uh, the week after he went into the Hall of Fame on our show on 101 ESPN. And, you know, he was talking about, he said something about how there's intangibles on on teams that he coached. And we followed up and he said, does this team have those intangibles? And he said, some of them. And we go, could you tell us some of those intangibles? Without missing a beat. I could, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Damn it, Hitch, you're like 70-something years old, and you still got it in you. I love that, I man. do, too. And it's so, there's something about him, too, man, that like when he starts talking about something that he loves, I mean, I guess it's like all of us, though. Man, his like, eyes like light up. Like yeah. You can tell that like he is really into what like he's Civil about War to talk reenactments. about. Dude, it's history. Well, that's, that's a true thing, though, right? Oh, yeah. Like he's huge into that, yeah, yeah, and a huge into history. Like yeah. I've, I've, I had during those like campfire sessions that he would do following practices. I've asked him about certain things, and the man will go on for like a fifteen minute <laughs> tangent. And I'm like, this is awesome. It's like watching the History Channel in person. Real talk. Uh, my daughter went to a Civil War reenactment at Jefferson Barracks earlier this year, and she gets home. She's in a great mood. I'm like, ah, how was it? Oh, she's great. I got the phone number of a soldier. I was like, what? You know, I don't remember if it was Union or Confederate. I hope Union, I guess. But like, she, she was like, yeah, he was really cute. And I got his phone number. And I was like, that's not the point of what you were supposed to go there for. Just like, like a history thing. Dude, this he is... was laying on the ground and she walked up. You're really cute. Can I get your number? Well, it, it, In case you make it. In case you make it. Let me know what hospital barracks you're going to. I'll see you there. It's just so, it's just so weird. All right, so here's what we got. All right, I got to get out of here because I got to go be on the radio. Alex does as what? well. Um, and you gotta, here's what we got doing. Uh, from what I understand, I'm going to have Mr. Rivers in studio on Thursday for another episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast. So hopefully that will come to fruition. And we would like to thank you for listening to the Last Minute Blues podcast. For Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, uh, we've got uh, our friend Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers, and Jeff Burton. My God, how many names do I got to say to close this thing out? It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening, and let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.